lead pastor. Uh, thank you for joining us here, and thank you for those who are joining online, and if you're listening to the podcast, thank you for that also. We are um, going through our series called The Truth About Truths, but before we get into that, I do want to say uh, VBS last week was stellar. Some of you got that, yeah been working on that. It was great. And so next week, we're going to have, um, you know, we're going to celebrate some of that at the beginning of the service. So you don't want to miss that. You don't want to miss what um, God has been doing through VBS. It's just, it's a great ministry of this church, and we're very thankful for what Cheryl does and for what the VBS team does. Just amazing kinds of things. So we're very thankful, very thankful. Again, we're looking at the series, The Truth About Truth, where we've been so far Uh, We've talked about how truth conforms to what actually is. Uh, We've talked about how truth is, at least there is such a thing as universal objective truth, a truth that applies to everybody, everywhere, no matter what they are are doing or what they are thinking. It applies to everyone. Truth is knowable. And Jesus embodies the truth. And then last week, uh, Nathan, uh, thankfully, was able to fill in for me, and he preached on how the truth sets us free. Now, there's a sense in which there's a general idea that that's true, that if you know something, if you're not believing in falsehood, that frees you, but it's even more so true that Jesus, the truth that is found in Jesus, sets us free from our sin, and, and that's why we cling to Jesus with everything that we have. Today we're going to be looking at two passages, one from the Old Testament, one from the New Testament. We're going to be looking at Isaiah 65 and Hebrews 6. There's so much that I want to say about the Hebrews 6 passage, but we're just going to have to pause on that for another time. Um, just, Just for your information, whenever anyone asks me, what sermon, what passage would you like to preach if it was your last sermon? The last you knew it was your last sermon. It's Hebrews 6, hands down. And so I'm going to do lots of restraint today not to talk about all the things that I want to, to just focus on what this sermon is about. But maybe one day, maybe one day, I will preach Hebrews 6. And hopefully that won't be my last sermon either. All right, so here we go from Isaiah chapter 65. This is God's word. Therefore, thus says the Lord God, Behold, my servants shall eat, but you shall be hungry. Behold, my servants shall drink, but you shall be thirsty. Behold, my servants shall rejoice, but you shall be put to shame. Behold, my servants shall sing for gladness of heart, but you shall cry out for pain of heart and shall wail for breaking of spirit. You shall leave your name to my chosen for a curse, and the Lord God will put you to death. But his servants he will call by another name, so that he who blesses himself in the land shall bless himself by the God of truth. And he who takes an oath in the land shall swear by the God of truth. Because the former troubles are forgotten, 
and are hidden from my eyes. For behold, I create new heavens and a new earth, and the former things shall not be remembered or come into mind. And then from Hebrews chapter 6. So when God desired to show more convincingly to the heirs of the promise the unchangeable character of his purpose, he guaranteed it with an oath. So that by two unchangeable things in which it is impossible for God to lie, we who have fled for refuge might have strong encouragement to hold fast to the hope set before us. Let me pray for us. Lord, we're thankful for your word and the depths of your word today, we will not be able to dive in very deep. We're just going to be skimming the surface and yet even there, you're good to us in giving us your truth. Will you help us today, Holy Spirit, to hear the truth, to believe the truth, to respond to the truth for your glory, for our good, and for the good of the community around us, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So, um, two weeks ago, when I began this series, I talked about Charlie Chaplin, an actor from the early 1900s. And after that, I felt like I needed to be a little bit more hip, a little more with it, a little more now. So I'm gonna talk about a current actress Maria Gabriela de Faria. And if you don't know who that is, here's a picture. Now, if you don't know who she is even by looking at her, uh, de Faria is a Venezuelan actress who has starred in such TV series as Yo Soy Frankie, Isa TKM, Deadly Class, and The Moody's. And if you still don't know who this is, you're probably over a certain age. In a, in a recent article in Global Heroes magazine, DeFaria was asked, what is one good choice that everyone can make to improve the world around them? Great question. Her answer was this, question everything. And then question some more. Look for your own truth. Live your own truth, and instead of repeating anybody else's. That kind of advice is very popular today. Look for your truth. Live your truth. And lots of people have embraced that phrase, your truth. There are lots still who have raised a flag, a red flag, about that kind of Nomenclature, that kind of way of talking. In fact, in a recent article, um, Foreign Policy Magazine, Elizabeth Brawl says this, your truth is not the truth. In an age of disinformation, the distinction matters. In fact, your truth may illustrate the same kind of phenomenon on the American left that alternative facts captures on the right. Although these terms are different in many ways, both foreground personal beliefs ahead of indisputable fact. And in doing so, they open the door to disinformation. 
The real problem is when people decide they're not even interested in seeking the truth, preferring their own ideas about how the world works instead. That's where we are as a society right now. We're more interested in my truth, your truth, than we are the truth. And it's that personal saying, it's that personal identity, that's that personal, I own this truth, that seems so empowering to people. But I want you to know that as followers of Christ, we can speak of the truth as belonging to someone. But we need to be clear, it's not my truth. It's not your truth. It's not their truth. It's not even our truth. It's God's truth. And that's what we're going to talk about today. The truth about truth is this. All truth is God's truth. All truth is God's truth. Now, excuse me just a minute. This phrase can upset people on two sides of the aisle. On the one hand, there's a growing number of people who question if there's any truth that is true for everyone. And for them to say that all truth is God's truth seems to imply that there is a God and that God is truth in what he says and what he does. And that applies to everyone and they think that that is oppressive. Don't tell me what is true for me. I know what's true for me. And so there are people who when they hear the phrase all truth is God's truth, they're upset by it on that side. On the other side, there are conservative Christians that I have um, talked to in the past, who hear all truth is God's truth, and suddenly their um, encroaching liberalism radar goes off, and it goes, danger, 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 watch out, because they have a sneaking suspicion that what is really being said in the phrase all truth is God's truth is you're trying to sneak something in under the radar that's going to undermine the truth of Scripture, okay? So today, there might be people in this room or listening online that are on both, uh, either side of that. And I, I get it. Um, but regardless of whether we like the phrase or not, the phrase is true. Regardless of whether we agree to such statement, we need to see and recognize the truth of it all truth is God's truth, and that is because God is the God of truth. Right? And that's what we see in our passage today from Isaiah. I wish I could go into all the details, but for the sake of time, we're just going to look at verse 16. So that he who blesses himself in the land shall bless himself by the God of truth. And he who takes on an oath in the land shall swear by the God of truth. The point that Isaiah is making in this passage is that there are people who are going to be saying things and they're going to ground it in who God is. And who is God? He is the God of truth. Truth belongs to him. He speaks the truth. He can't help 
but speak the truth because that's who He is. And that's what lines up with what we read in Hebrews chapter 6, verses 17 and 18. And hear these words, beautiful, amazing words. Verse 17 of Hebrews 6. 6. <clears throat> so when God desired to show more convincingly to the heirs of the promise the unchangeable character of His purpose, He guaranteed it with an oath so that by two unchangeable things in which it is impossible for God to lie that we who have fled for refuge might find strong encouragement to hold fast to the hope set before us. Think about that phrase, in which it is impossible for God to lie. When I think about that phrase, the first thing that comes to my mind is, well, it's not impossible for me to lie. I could be pretty good at it, actually. And so can everybody I know. Lying comes easy to us. Lying comes naturally to us. It's not impossible for us. In fact, lying is so much a part of our experience that psychologists tell us that if a child has not lied by a certain age, that is considered a developmental delay. In other words, something is wrong with that child if they can't lie by a certain age. That is a developmental milestone. That's how invasive lying is to human nature. It's not impossible for us. In fact, it's very probable that we all end up lying. In fact, the only person that whenever, whenever I'm talking with someone, if someone ever says, I never lie, that's the immediate dead giveaway. For me, you are a liar. But that's not how God is, right? It's impossible for God to lie. God is a God of truth. And we see that over and over in Scripture. In, Roman, uh, sorry, in Numbers 23, 19, God is not man. He's not like us that he should lie, or a son of man, that he should change his mind. Has he said and he will not do it? Or has he spoken and we will, he will not fulfill it? Or think about Titus chapter 1, where Paul writes to the church uh, in Crete, and he says, Paul, a servant of God and an apostle of Jesus Christ, for the sake of the faith of God's elect and their knowledge of the truth, which accords with godliness in hope of eternal life, which God, who never lies, promised before the ages began. This is who God is. And, and we not only see this in the scripture, we see Christians throughout history have said the same thing, that because God is a God of truth, all truth is God's truth. Augustine says it in, uh, on Christian doctrine. He says, let every good and true Christian understand that wherever truth may be found, wherever it may be found, it belongs to his master. John Calvin, in his commentary on Titus, says... All truth is from God, and consequently, even if wicked men have said anything that is true and just, we ought not to reject it, for it has come from God. And Herman Bavink, in his Reformed Dogmatics, says, God is the source and origin of knowledge of truth in all areas of life. Not just religious areas, all areas. God is a God of truth, and everything he says is true. All truth belongs to him. Maybe you're thinking, okay, Stuart, gosh, we get it. 
God's a God of truth, and all truth belongs to him. Sure, got it. No need to belabor that point. But I want you to hear this. This is not an academic argument. This is not a philosophical point or an axiomatic aphorism. This is true truth that we need to understand. We need to believe because in our society today, there are people who will argue against this. They will say there is no such thing as truth. Or if there is truth, it's only my truth and my truth is different than your truth. And we need to have ears to hear. We need to have discernment to understand that there is such a thing as truth because there is a God who is a God of truth and all truth belongs to Him. And if we want to know truth, we need to go to Him first. That's why this is important. Don't just pass this off as, well, you know, Stuart's just trying to be philosophical. No. This is important Because if we don't know this, we're going to fail to be discerning in our culture, in our society today. We need this. All truth is God's truth because God is the God of truth. And that means that whatever God reveals, whatever God reveals to us through the scriptures or through the created order in general, is always true. Let me say that again. Whatever God reveals to us through the scriptures and the created order in general is always true. Always. If God is a God of truth, and He always speaks the truth, He cannot lie, He never lies, it's impossible for Him to lie, then whatever He reveals is true. Okay, and so when we come to 2 Timothy 3.16, for example, all Scripture is breathed out by God. And that's why it's profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and training in righteousness. What does that tell us? All Scripture, from Genesis to Revelation, everything that is in there, it is breathed out by God, and it is true. It's true. Because God is a God of truth. People who say, well, the Bible contains errors. Okay, what they're saying is God actually lies. Because the scriptures themselves say that God has breathed those words out. Yeah, human beings wrote it down, but God is the one who led them to say those things. Now, we may misinterpret the Bible. There's a lot of that. We may misrepresent the Bible. There's a lot of that too. But we cannot, if in good conscience, we cannot say that the Bible isn't true and be a follower of Jesus. At least not for long. Because there's an inconsistency there. (laughs) You know, one of the things that um, I hear quite often is, uh, and we actually talked about this in Sunday school in the fellowship hall today, that the, the church is full of hypocrites. You know what I say when people tell me that? You're right. Because the world is full of hypocrites. Because hypocrisy is the fruit of sin. 
And the scriptures actually teach that we're all sinners. And that hypocrisy is one of the things that happens because we're sinners. So we shouldn't be surprised that there are hypocrites in the church. Because hypocrisy is in the world. The world is rife with hypocrisy because the world is rife with sin. And so the scriptures are actually showing the truth of God whenever you say the church is full of hypocrites. Now, should it be that way? No. But all it does is it confirms the truth of what Scripture is saying, that we all sin, we all fall short of the glory of God, and yeah, you should expect to see hypocrisy everywhere because that's what Scripture actually says. (laughs) I know this sounds funny, but that's one of the things I come back to whenever I have doubts about the faith. No other religion that I know points out the truth of hypocrisy the way that Christianity does. And everywhere I look, I see hypocrisy. And all that does is it drives me back to, yes, Jesus, your words are true because you are the one who pointed this out. You are the one who said, this is what the world is like. Thank you, Jesus, for showing us the truth. It just confirms more and more that what God has revealed in the scriptures is true, even when we don't like to hear it. But you know what? The same is true for whatever God reveals through the created order. Not just the scriptures, but for the created order. Uh, Psalm 19, verses 1 and 4 says, The heavens declare the glory of God, and the sky above proclaims the handiwork. Their voice goes throughout all the earth, and their words to the end of the world. Romans 1, 19 through 20, which, by the way, we're going to be looking at this verse, this passage, more specifically next week. You don't want to miss some of the things we're going to say. It's going to hit our culture pretty hard. But that's for next week. Romans 1, 19 through 20 says, For what can be known about God is plain to them. It's plain to us because God has made it, has shown it to them. For his invisible attributes, namely his eternal power and divine nature, have been clearly perceived ever since the creation of the world in the things that have been made so that they are without excuse. We we can say, I look at nature And I don't see anything about God, but what we're doing is we're denying what is already there. God always speaks the truth, whether it's in Scripture or even in the created order. It's sinners who take the truth and twist it or try to ignore the truth. By the way, those two things about truth, if God is a God of truth and so Scripture is true, And what God says in the created order is true. If those are true, then we don't have to be afraid of investigating the truth. Sometimes I meet Christians who, they seem really worried that you're asking questions about the faith. They they seem really concerned about, oh, don't ask the hard questions. But if what we're investigating is really true, it will stand up to investigation. Ask Lee Strobel. Some of you know that name. 
When uh, Lee Strobel was in junior high school, he started asking Christians he knew questions. Questions like, how can there be a loving God with so much suffering in the world? It's a great question, right? How can there be a loving God who would send people to hell? It's a great question. A question that the church ought to answer. Unfortunately, the Christians that Lee Strobel asked basically told him, keep those questions to yourself. We don't want to hear those questions. And so eventually, looking for the answers to those questions and not finding any because the Christians around him wouldn't talk, he became an atheist. Years later, Strobel was the legal editor of the Chicago Tribune, and his wife, Leslie, said, hey, honey, I'm a Christian. And that really upset him. He was really angry and upset about that. But then as he watched her life, he saw her attitude and her behavior had changed in such a way that he started to take notice. And he said, you know what? I'm going to use my journalism skills to investigate the claims of the Christian faith. And so for about two years, he investigated Christian claims through science and philosophy and history and archaeology and various forms of literature. And you know the conclusion he came to? That the Christian view of the world made more sense than his atheism did. And so he became a Christian, and he went on to write several books, which you see the, the pictures there, The Case for Faith, where he answers those questions about, uh, that he asked in junior high, The Case for a Creator, The Case for Christ. And he's written other books about those same kinds of things. This is what happens when we really honestly investigate the claims of the Christian faith. We don't have to be afraid to investigate. We don't have to be afraid to ask questions because God is a God of truth and he can handle it because what he says is true. All of that leads me to this point. Don't miss this point. If you're sleeping, wake up. Because you will want to hear this. If God is a God of truth, and he is, and all truth is God's truth, and everything that God says, we can trust him that it is true, this means we can trust God in all that he says, even the extraordinarily staggering and mind-boggling promises in Christ Jesus. We can trust God even when those promises sound like they can't be true because he's a God of truth and he always speaks the truth. He cannot lie. We could literally spend all day about this, but I want to give you two examples. Two examples. And I want you to think about this. Look, the good news of Jesus tells us that for God so loved the world that he sent his only son, right? And that son came to die for our sins and to rise from the dead so that we would have life and have it to the full. And we're forgiven. Everybody who believes in Jesus is forgiven of all of their sin. That's what we said in our um, confession of faith today. Forgiven of all of our sin. 
Do you know how outrageous that is? Have you ever thought about how stunning that statement is? Let me give you an example that may help you to process that. Imagine that... Imagine that every single day, without fail, I walk up to you, smile in your face, and slap you. Every single day. Doesn't matter what you're doing. Doesn't matter where you are. Doesn't matter what kind of protests you give. Every day, slap right across your face. Now, on day one, some of you would be willing to forgive me. On day seven, your forgiveness tank will probably be running on empty. On day 135, you would laugh at the very idea of forgiving me. You would find it ludicrous. Now imagine that it's not just once a day that I slap you, but several times a day, every day. Slap, slap, slap. By the end of day one, most of you would be like, okay, I can't forgive this guy. My friends, that is a picture of what we as sinners do every single day of our lives to God. Every time we sin, it is a slap in His face. And yet, that very God, the God of truth, the God who can never lie, has said, if you believe in My Son Jesus, all your sins are forgiven. All of them. We might not be willing to forgive someone who slapped us in the face that many times, but God is. The God of truth is promised. The God who cannot lie. The God who it is impossible for Him to lie has promised, I will forgive all the sins of those who trust in My Son, Jesus. I'm sorry, but if that doesn't get an amen, it ought to at least get a Keanu Reeves, whoa. Because that is staggering. Not one of you would forgive me if I slapped you that many times. But God will in Christ. But that's not everything about the gospel. Like, that, that's, that's incredible. That's amazing. But I want you to think about one of the verses from the passage I read earlier from Isaiah, Isaiah 65, where he says, For behold, I create new heavens and a new earth, and the former things shall not be remembered or come into mind. That very idea is picked up by John in the book of Revelation, and he writes this in chapter 21. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and the sea was no more. And I saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them. 
and they will be his people and God himself will be with them as their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain anymore. For the former things have passed away. And he who was seated on the throne said, Behold, I am making all things new. Also he said, Write this down. For these words are trustworthy and true. Does that sound too good to believe? Does that sound too good to be true? It's not because it's a promise from God, the God of truth, the God who can never lie, the God in whom it is impossible for him to lie. And if you believe in Jesus, that is your destiny. Sinners though we may be, Face slappers of God, though we may be. God has promised, look to Jesus and I will pour out such blessing on you that I'll wipe every tear away from you. I will take death away from you. I will even make it so there's no more pain ever again. Does it sound like a fairy tale? It's not. It's the very truth of God. And we can bank on it because the God of truth has said it. So, that ought to defrost and heat up even the most frozen of the chosen. If you like action points, here's yours for today. <laughs> and it's a simple one. Believe the truth. Believe the truth as God has revealed it. Now, some of you might be thinking, well, Stuart, I already believe this. So what's the point? Are you telling me that you never had a doubt? Are you telling me that you never have doubts at all? That you always believe this fully and wholeheartedly? If so, I bow before your greatness. Because that's not where I am. That's not where I've been. Probably not where I will be until I reach glory. There's always going to be doubt. That's why we need to believe these things. And the way we believe is by rehearsing them over and over again. That is why I have belabored these points today to encourage you to rehearse them in your own mind. Remind yourself, God is a God of truth. He cannot lie. It's impossible for him to lie. And this is what he has said to me. Let that increase your faith. Let that grow your faith. As you read the scriptures, remember, this is what God has said. As you meditate on scripture, remember, this is what God has said, the God of truths. And let it sink down deep into your soul and encourage you. But maybe there are some today here who are in this room who are listening or maybe online and they're listening and they're saying, okay, well, I don't believe any of that. I don't believe it. I mean, it sounds great. If it was true, it would be awesome, but I just don't believe it. You owe it to yourself to investigate these claims. 
just like Lee Strobel. You owe it to yourself to investigate. Is this really true? Don't leave here or don't turn off the podcast or the, or the online service or whatever it is. Don't just leave and go, you know what, that was, that was nice. That was, that was a great story, but I just don't believe it. Now, don't, don't you dare do that. Go to the sources. Look, investigate, press, ask questions. Keep moving until you come to the conclusion of what is really true. I'm going to tell you, if you are an honest searcher of truth, an honest one, God will give you the truth. Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and the door will be opened to you. That is a promise from God. So, if you're a believer, rehearse those truths. If you're not a believer, investigate those truths. But don't leave here. Don't stop listening to this without saying, I'm going to move forward in one of those areas. Maybe both. Rehearse and investigate. Do it. The truth can handle it. All right, so let's trust the God of truth in all that he has revealed to us because it is true, true truth. Let me pray for us that we'll be able to do that. Lord Jesus, help us to believe the truth. Help us to investigate the truth. Help us to rehearse the truth that we would know the truth and the truth really would set us free that we would know the truth and the truth really would build us up, that we would know the truth and we would find joy in it. And God, we thank you that you are the God of truth and we can trust everything you say. Help us to interpret rightly. Help us to listen well. Help us to know correctly. But never, help, but never keep us from believing the truth that you always speak what is true. Help us all, Holy Spirit, for your glory, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, for our good, for the good of the neighbors. Amen.